Hi, welcome to the 10th episode. I'm your host Noel Woodward and this is For the Love of. For the Love of Design, Education Against All Odds with Achyut Sethu. Achyut is an architect with an MSc in Design for Sustainable Development. Born and raised in India, the uncertainty of social impacts of any creation fascinated him. This continued interest led him to explore and participate at the grassroots level by empowering through design and ultimately giving back to those less fortunate. From plutocracy to education against all odds, Achyut discusses his work as a designer in the domain of pedagogical transformation of childhood education in informal settlements as well as the future of the same. This is part 2 of the episode where we continue our conversation exploring education against all odds, the national urban mission and policy and advocacy in design. we're just going to segue into your thesis now because it's kind of like a continuation of what you did in Kenya with yeah. um plutocracy yeah so you carry forward your work through your thesis project uh, which is education against all odds mm. and i'll just read a part yeah. of the abstract so in kenya a child is orphaned every 2 minutes that is 700 children every day and a third of them are orphaned due to hiv aids Uh, the social stigma attached to the disease and their condition has made them impervious to society carol coomb aptly suggests metaphorically enough that poverty hiv aids and education together create a circle of hope and despair so this master's thesis you mentioned is neither a sad story of orphans nor a pornographic documentation of informal settlements but a story of what is possible when environments of despair are met with a platform of opportunities it is importantly also a story of how to provide these opportunities and hopefully this also becomes a story of empowerment since you'd already worked on contributing towards education and play through the reality studio what did you wish to achieve this time around and what was the context that you had to work with and in hmm so the reason one of the biggest reasons i went back uh, to kenya was uh, the teacher that we was we were working with in the first uh, time that we went to kenya she passed away due to cancer and uh, she was sort of this singular personality that held the entire school together and when she passed away sort of the school sort of shut down as in it didn't close down but functionally it was just broken down and that is where i realized the limits of an individual the limit to what an individual can achieve through his will and the reason for me to go back to kenya was because i felt that our first playocracy was such an uh, exploration where, where we tested what an individual can as a group like four of us and i really felt that that is not the best way to do uh, to indulge in developmental activities especially education when where education is actually an intergenerational commitment it is very important that at least two to three generations uh, strive to get educated for that community to really uh, you know uh, bear the fruits of empowerment and it was sort of this uh, shortcoming that i felt within myself that 
this i felt that i have to go back again uh, to this time not as an individual but as a network of agencies and uh, my thesis was basically that that in a situation in an environment where education naturally doesn't thrive how can we sustain it how can people get together what kind of kinds of people have to come together what kind of uh, commitment or striving is needed for it to be sustained that that was sort of an exploration that i really wanted to see if people come together and we put them every day into a constant striving uh, to develop one school how far can we go yeah so so just going deeper into that uh, while shortlisting sites and schools where you could intervene with a design proposal what drew you to the future hope academy okay so uh, one of the biggest decisions that my that i took during my thesis is uh, all of these decisions which require such questions like which side did you choose should not come from me who is an outsider so what i did was uh, i of all the contacts that i met during my first year uh, i contacted all of them who work in that community regularly i contacted an educational officer who works in that all the schools of that community and i told her to do a recce before i come there of all the schools and which school so her perception was there are schools where people run as businesses and there are schools where people run as an educator so her her uh, perception was that you have to invest in people who are educators because when the going gets tough the businessman will just shut down his business but then an educator the the intention is not business the intention is that intergenerational striving so if you invest in such places uh it it would be a catalyst for her their striving so we sort of shortlisted such areas within the community and we chose a school based on the availability of land uh whether uh, the land and ownership issues and the proximity uh, to the main road all of these uh, things that will help development become smoother that actually led to future hope yeah so with the design intervention this time around you focused on a holistic development of an existing mm-hmm. school complete with classroom space and ancillary services which include access to water a self sustaining model of food security uh, where they carry out composting and grow their own pr- produce as well and also rainwater harvesting and sanitary infrastructure so could you talk about the project and also how you went about it so uh, this time around i went again with reality studio but this time not as a student but as a course assistant so one big advantage that i had was i had 20 other people with me and one big advantage that i had that the studio focuses on themes which are holistic solid waste management sanitation uh, menstruation uh, children craftsmanship and all of these aspects so there were students who really wanted to tackle these issues that they have never tackled before as in as design students you are not really asked to perceive about all these things so there were student and this time around the, the change that i wanted to do with reality studios you don't spread your 20 people around the entire city 
if you really want to make an impact choose a geographical area and keep pounding it if you repeatedly pound that entire area it will get developed you can't have development in silos it has to be connected so we sort of framed the studio this time where projects connect with each other so that is the reason i would say that uh, education against all odds became holistic because there were students who were working on different aspects uh, there were students who were uh, uh, raising menstrual awareness they they tied up with uh, organizations that create these low cost sanitary pads uh, there were students who were making furniture for schools uh so they were making furnitures which are adaptable or sort of take different shapes there were students who were working on uh, building construction techniques so they were exploring rammed earth in that area uh, there were students who were exploring craftsmanship uh there was a biologist in my team uh, he, he 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 is a friend of mine who decided to come to kenya with me uh, he was the one who uh, brought in Uh, biology composting and all of these things into the stu- school curriculum so it's it's this coming together of different networks that help this project because there are there are limits to what a thesis can do there are there are limits to what i can do or can perceive in in a single moment so i think majority of the credit uh, goes to these connections of people who kept on pounding Uh, ideas on one geographical area uh, again it it it's an exploration to find out how can education be sustained in a corrosive environment like that and uh, it was to really find out actually m- most of it to find out what the reality is in reality studio before you actually propose so if if i could elaborate on the findings of it uh, what we re- realize is apart from all the services of drinking water and providing a classroom i really don't want to delve into the design or the process of it because if if someone else if you would go the design would be something else there there's no there's no there's a there's no point of uh, being pompous about it okay we use this material and it it looks vernacular and all of that the most important realization apart from all these architectural photographs that you see is that more often than not one of the biggest uh, you know resonating words or a book that actually resonates with all my findings is this uh, book called uh, negotiation of hope i think it's by jeremy tell or something and it it what it says is that if you propose something in a vacuum if you build something in a bubble uh in a vacuum from the existing social fabric the moment you remove that bubble it sweeps away like a sand castle it is inevitable you have to use the existing what's a fabric it's it's a criss crossing of uh, strings around right a fabric is a criss crossing of strings if you do not use the existing strings that make that fabric any new thing that you do is like a patchwork it will tear again 
so that was the biggest realization for for me as in maybe pe- people have already realized in their career but for me uh, the biggest realization is if you keep your perception open your only job as an architect or as, or as a development practitioner is to find what that thread is is to find how is this fabric coming together and the idea is not to simplify it <laughs> because it is not simple <laughs> and in in case of education uh, the biggest realization that i had or i still adhere to is gone are the days where you teach to a classroom you have to teach to a single child even when you are teaching to a classroom your approach should be to teach a single child i urge all my listeners to check out the show notes because i'll be putting all these links there and extremely inspirational work that you've done and i think everybody should read through it view the videos and actually understand the entire project uh, whoever wants to but just moving on to um from your time in kenya now you're back in india and you've taken your research and the work that you carried out over there and you decided to come back and you you were part of the urban mission and the last time we spoke you were traveling to a village to study and conduct uh child participatory design workshops could you discuss your role yeah. within the mission what what it was exactly okay so i'll i'll briefly explain what the national urban mission is uh it's the intention of the mission is to provide urban amenities in rural areas but without uh, snatching away the soul of a rural uh, community so uh, the entire mission uh, is to sort of converge 16 or 17 different aspects of development uh, into a single geographical uh, a cluster of villages so there is a, a education department health solid waste management more digital literacy there there are 16 other uh, drinking water and uh, uh, initially i was working uh, with the uh, aspect of education because i was hired for uh, what all had been done in the past and uh, uh, the initial months were spent just traveling around all these clusters in madhya pradesh to really understand what again is the reality there and based on that uh, there were uh, different projects that are uh, sanctioned uh, a plan is made that these these uh, infrastructures or services have to be provided in these these clusters uh, the analysis is based on need for example there's a uh, there's a district called alirajpur uh, i think it's the district with the lowest literacy rate in india Uh, so the uh, majority of the funds were to cater to education so there was this uh, big school that was being sanctioned from primary to high school and hostels with it so again the, this experience of kenya where you sit together with children and plan out uh, really helped here for example uh, i was indulged in a workshop so the government sends me as a consultant to these places and uh, i the first thing that i did here was 
to sit together with the children to make the plan of the building now how do you do it when 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 drawings are really reductive in nature right you really need hundreds of drawings to actually execute a building and you can't get into such depths with children on a single day's workshop so one basic thing of designing is to have a perception of how long or big a space is if i say 3 meter cross 3 meter we are trained to sort of close our eyes and imagine and we would have different imaginations mind you of the same 3 by 3 but the reason we are able to do it is we can perceive those that volume so the first thing that uh, i tried doing and these are tribal uh, districts mind you the first thing i did was to measure children's feet uh, i would take a scale measure all their feet and i would say that uh, uh, for example aapko if you want a space to sit or sleep how many steps or lie down and someone would walk and see how many steps it is and they would multiply it with the number uh, the the <laughs> and then slowly 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 uh, what would happen is they would chalk out the entire area of this uh, space they would uh, chalk out as in they would uh, start zoning the design that this is where we want our toilet or this is where we want to sleep and then eventually the zoning becomes more detailed space planning becomes more detailed and and surprisingly enough eventually you actually end up with a plan it's not as detailed as we make it to be but they're actually clear what size of the room they want uh, they would come up with details like we need a courtyard in the middle so that we can sit and play antakshari these are things that an architect cannot perceive and so these these were basically the crux of the workshop that uh, they would sit and draw their own plan and all our job is to come back and make it even more reductive for the contractor to understand yeah so i mean it's extremely fascinating i think we need to have a normal discussion without doing it on the podcast as well but <laughs> but uh, your focus is now on education and on uplifting people through design as yeah. well as participatory yeah. courses and workshops particularly with children so that they can become self reliant in a way and i'm going to borrow a couple of lines from your thesis where you talk about the fact that when it comes to education governments can you know only fe- governments only feel that to make it all work and fall into place you just have to spend more money on the infrastructure be it classrooms or schools but when it comes mm-hmm. to quality education mm-hmm. it's largely also dependent on who is imparting that education basically the teachers so i'm just going to read that part out um yes how can a system ensure yes. good teaching good teaching primarily depends on the interaction between a teacher and the student hence it requires a paradigm shift from thinking about students as groups to students as individuals it requires the education system to no longer think about serving a classroom of students but serving a student on the other hand it requires governments to learn how to treat people as individuals to reassure people who are frightened and to motivate people to change their lives in meaningful ways while the world is increasingly being tangled in the whims of market forces and the strings of global trade for perpetual economic growth how do we ensure that nations adopt more empathetic ways in addressing social challenges that is my next big question so could you just talk about that a bit 
but i i was recently speaking to someone and i sort of said that i really don't want to find a solution like i just want my seeking to be more effective i just want to you know clear away all this clutter that people think is the solution because it's really not what the solution should work for all but it doesn't and at this moment that is what i'm seeking that that i'm actually trying to understand even though we say that education is a department or it's an infrastructure or a setup but education is uh, in my opinion it's, it's a personal striving right whether you are empowered or not is for the world to decide but it is just an opportunity for as an while i was going through these rural villages i sort of was also journaling along and i would meet these people who are really giving it their all for 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 these tribal population who for first time school goers and i would ask this this one singular question to everyone that given all of these odds that you are stacked against what form do you think education should take then and then all of, they, they would give initially it would start off with all the problems they have and what could be fixed what can the government do but then in eventually deep down what they are trying to say is even even here where i am working with children uh, i i try to explain to them for example uh, if i clap or if i shout how do you know that you have to activate your ear to perceive it as in are you doing it it's not how do you know that to learn something you have to look at something or smell something how do you know are you are you really making that choice so the question that parents reverse ask is that if you are naturally able to do it why do we need to send our children to school so the the answer to it is that in every seed of a crop there is intelligence for it to grow into a tree all education setup that does or has to do is to play the role of a farmer it has to provide the absolute optimum condition for that seed to grow into its maximum possibility that is what education is and that maximum possibility at this moment sadly is being dictated as a fuel for the raging economic engine that we are having right now but that is not the maximum capacity even people who lead organization uh, or lead big companies have that longing so that is where as in that is where the seeking is at this moment that what are these optimum conditions for different seeds it's different you can intercrop some of them you cannot intercrop some of them that's a very interesting analogy before we end the episode um i always ask my guests to share a couple of recommendations when it comes to documentaries books blogs websites whatever anything so could you just share some of those and then i could probably link it in the show notes sure sure 
i think i think what if, if someone is really in, interested to uh, know about how india is faring in education uh, or really if they have to really understand where we are lacking at the moment or how far we have reached one one uh, starting point is to read this report called aser that is one it it actually shows where we how well we have fared and where is it going at the moment that is really uh, sort of for someone who really likes to ponder on these statistics but uh, for someone who really wants to know what good is happening you really have to check out this organization called agatya foundation uh, it's a foundation uh, run at kuppam in andhra pradesh uh it's a foundation run for uh, they have this huge campus i think 170 acre campus and they do not have so the reason i know about this is while i was doing my internship uh, in bangalore at mystery architects uh, that uh, we were building that campus and so i happened to uh, go there uh, as a part of my internship and you wouldn't believe it's an eye opener that all of these kids are tribals they are from rural communities around and these kids win google and intel awards for innovation every year and so you get shocked doesn't how are you, how are they doing it are they do they have good teachers or something but no their approach is experiential learning for everything that you have to learn they increase this exact question that when i clap how do you know your ear has to respond so they their prime focus is to enhance this perception and then the learning happens naturally so they would try to increase this perception of a child to such an extent that they naturally innovate so they have Uh, young kids of uh, 10 12 years are uh, innovating how to create electricity out of waste or uh, i have seen uh, a 12 year old dismantle a tv and reassemble it and they they are taught about the ecosystem by making this uh, grand sort of uh, a sort of a flooring of the forest and you create your own ecosystem like a game of you add different animals and see how it simulates and all their all their uh, all their teaching are experimental so there's a person or there's a group who constantly makes these experiments physical experiments and so they don't they do not learn through textbooks at all i think for someone who really uh, and they're expanding now to the rest of the nation they're they're having these mobile science labs which goes to deep into uh, rural india and spread this model of education i think for someone who really wants to explore what good india is doing in education i think agatya foundation is something to check out thank you achyut for joining me today it's been wonderful discussing your work and i hope you continue the success that you've had uh, all the very best i know we've only i think scrape the tip of the iceberg when it comes to all the things that you're doing and i really hope we could have you back sometime in the future to discuss the progress so sure. thank you thank you so much god's lovely catching up with you
Thanks for tuning in. Do check out the show notes for links to some of Achyut's work as well as sources mentioned by him. Subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at for the love of podcast or write to us with your thoughts, ideas, comments at connect@fortheloveofpodcast.in. At Thanks for listening. This is for the love of.